Hello, everyone. This is JB with Not By Works Ministries. Thanks for joining us for the program today. It's Wednesday, January the 11th, and uh, we are actually excited to have uh, our good friend and colleague Randy on the program for today's podcast. We're a little bit ahead of schedule. Uh, usually we try to do that on Thursday or Friday, depending on uh, his schedule and our schedule, but we're delighted to have him on uh, midweek this week, and that's because he's actually out uh, on an investigation. You know, I think most of you know Randy's a private eye, uh, certified in a couple of states, and he's working on a missing persons murder case right now. And uh, he's with a, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Kelton. And so the two of them have taken time out of their uh, schedule here on this road trip where they're doing some interviews and some investigating uh, to join us for the program uh, a little bit later. So I wanted to just uh, say thanks to him, and we're excited that he's willing to come on, even though it's a busy week. But before we get to uh, Randy and uh, and our friend Kelton, I wanted to uh, mention just a couple of quick announcements. It is Wednesday, so that means that tonight we will be live streaming from Plum Creek Chapel uh, as we continue our series, The Greatness of God. And that starts at six o'clock Mountain Time. And we recently changed our streaming platform. You know, we've had some hit or misses over the last year and a half, two years with the platform that we were using. It was uh mostly pretty uh, pretty consistent, but we've had some issues, especially on mobile devices. And so we finally decided to take the plunge and invest uh, some more resources here at the outset of the new year in a better streaming platform. And that means that we're now streaming on Facebook at the NBW Ministries Facebook page. And you can get to that uh, simply by clicking the Facebook logo on our website. Just go to notbyworks.org and you'll see all the social media sites linked up there. Uh, but uh, yeah, we are, uh, we're going to be live streaming tonight. And I we started this new platform last Sunday and I got great feedback from people all across the country who uh, used the live stream, both on the Not By Works website as well as Facebook, and it works flawlessly. So if you have tried live streaming Not By Works in the past and ran into some buffering issues on your mobile device, hey, give us another shot. We really uh, want to... Uh, uh, you know, we were really excited about the new platform. So that's tonight at six o'clock. And speaking of social media, we now are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So you can check that out. Uh, we're uh, just, again, not thrilled with the concept of social media, which is why I've resisted it for so long. I've never been on any of those personally, but as a ministry and an institution, we decided it would be uh, good to use today's technology to try to get the word out. Remember, our goal at Not By Works is to uh, advance the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message. And so uh, for now, we're going to use these social media platforms to do that. So I'll be posting uh, podcasts, articles, uh, tweets, things like that. Anytime we're speaking, upcoming speaking schedule, of course, our live stream schedule, all of that is available at our social media site. So don't forget, uh, we're going to be starting Prophecy Night, Tuesday Night Prophecy Night, starting Tuesday, January the 31st. That's going to be a dedicated night each week on Tuesdays when we talk about Bible prophecy. It'll be a little bit of uh, current events uh, commentary as well as biblical teaching. It's an hour and a half uh, program. Uh, if you're in the Denver metro area, come join us on Tuesday nights at Plum Creek Chapel. It starts at six o'clock mountain time, six o'clock mountain time, Tuesday nights, again, starting January the 31st. And when we start that, then our Wednesday night Bible study will go away. We're shifting it to Tuesday night and shifting the focus to Bible prophecy. So three more nights counting tonight of our midweek study on the greatness of God. Then we shift to prophecy nights on Tuesday, January uh, 31st. It'll be a one-hour time of teaching, followed by some Q&A, and it will be live-streamed, of course, like all of my messages, and I hope you can join us in person or by live stream. And then finally, I want to mention we've got a conference coming up next month in Florida, What in the World is Going On, it's called, and that'll be held in Clearmont, Florida. It's a Friday-Saturday, I'm sorry, it's a Saturday-Sunday event, a Saturday-Sunday event, and I'll be speaking seven times at that conference, four times on Saturday, three times on Sunday. If you're anywhere near Central Florida, the Orlando, greater Orlando area, come see us. Uh, you can check that out uh, at the highlight carousel at notbyworks.org or on our events page. It's linked up there. It is a free conference, but they do ask you to register because of uh, seating uh, capacity issues and planning purposes. So you can register right there by clicking the link on our website. Just go to the events tab, click on that conference, and then click the event uh, uh, button. So uh, with that, 
I want us to turn our attention to uh, Bible prophecy again this morning. I'm calling today's podcast, Are You Watching for the Lord's Return? And I want to focus on watchfulness. You know, there are so many passages in the New Testament that uh, really command us, many of them from our Lord himself, to be watchful. And that's what we try to do with our weekly conversations with Randy, is that we, we kind of look at current events. Uh, Randy provides some commentary and insights. Uh, we evaluate them through the lens of Scripture, and we're kind of watching to see, is the stage being set for the Lord's return? That's what these weekly conversations are all about. And so I thought I would take a moment to dive into a, a famous passage of Scripture from the book of Matthew, chapter 24 and 25, and talk about watchfulness. But first, a couple of passages just to kind of set the stage. In Mark's account uh, of the same teaching, uh, we're talking about, of course, the sermon, the uh, uh, Olivet Discourse, the sermon Jesus preached atop the Mount of Olives, and uh, Mark is recorded by Mark in Mark 13, Luke 21, and Matthew 24 and 25. But Mark's account, and Jesus says this, watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening at midnight at the crowning at the crowing of the rooster or in the morning lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping and what i say to you i say to all watch and that's a pretty strong statement and one that we need to remember today 2000 years later as we continue to look for the blessed hope the soon coming of our lord and savior Jesus Christ. What I say to you, I say to all, watch. That's the words of Jesus Christ. In, in Paul's letter to the, to the Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 6, he says something similar, uh, no doubt drawing on the, word, the Lord's admonition himself. Paul says, watch therefore, for you do not know what our, I'm sorry, sorry, Paul says, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. 1 Thess 5, 6, let us watch and be sober. Going back to Matthew 24, the Lord says, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Again, Matthew 25, Jesus says, But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. He goes on in that same passage to say, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And then, of course, the Bible ends the very last verse in the Bible with these words, he who testifies to these things says, quote, surely I am coming quickly, end quote. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus, Revelation 22, 20. Surely I am coming quickly. By the way, the word quickly there in Greek is the word takas. It means not soon, uh, the, the way it's often perceived. It can mean that depending on the context, but it means swiftly or speedily or hurriedly. In other words, when the Lord comes, it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. It's going to happen quickly. So we need to watch. We need to be watchful. And it occurs to me as I think about most people's reaction today to Bible prophecy, they fall into three camps. And uh, I'm going to tell you what these three camps are, and then I'm going to go back and uh, sort of dive into each one with a little bit more detail. But people, uh, generally speaking, uh, fall into three camps. You've got the deniers, the delayers, and the date setters. The deniers, the delayers, and the date setters. And then, of course, there's the, the, the right category, the fourth category, which is to simply be watchful. Those who you know heed the warning of Scripture to look up and be watchful, to recognize that the Lord could come back at any moment. I realize it's been 2,000 years since Jesus walked the earth, and certainly in the generations that followed, in that in the last 2,000 years, hope has waned. People have convinced themselves through bad teaching and a sense of discouragement that he hasn't come back, that he's not coming back or that he already came back spiritually, or there's not going to be a literal return of Christ to, to, to catch the church up, to meet him in the air, as is plainly taught in uh, the New Testament. So I realize that. But nevertheless, we are to continue to be watchful, because guess what? Uh, one of these days, he is going to be uh, coming back. And for a generation, and I believe very strongly that it's ours, again, I can't prove it, I'm not going to be one of those date setters that are the third category I talked about a moment ago. Uh, but I really believe, based on an educated, uh, studied 
survey of the landscape and the, the signs of the times that it's going to be in our day. But whenever it is, even if it's not in our day, there is going to be a generation uh, that is alive and sees the coming of the Lord, sees the eastern sky split uh, and meets the Lord in the air. You know, someone has said, live like there's no tomorrow and someday you'll be right. Well, be watchful for the rapture, and someday you will uh, see it. And so as we think about uh, these three categories, I want to use the Olivet Discourse that I started out the program by quoting as a springboard, a, a basic framework for the three reactions to Bible prophecy. Now, let me set the stage for you, because I'm not going to have time to read the entire section, but I'm zeroing in here on Matthew 24, verse 37, all the way to Matthew 25, verse 13. And uh, in that, in the context, of course, Jesus uh, at the Olivet Discourse is answering the question of the disciples, when will the kingdom come and, and, and when will this age end? You know, we're tired of waiting. We want the kingdom to come. We want you to roll out the new kingdom and inaugurate it. We want you to take the throne and so forth. When is that going to happen? Because Jesus had just... Uh, Cursed the fig tree. He had also issued that scathing rebuke of the Pharisees and scribes, and he had said the temple is going to be destroyed. And so the disciples were quite puzzled because they thought that the kingdom was about to come forthwith. And so Jesus tells them this story, this teaching, this sermon in response to their question, when will the kingdom come? And so he gives several signs at the beginning there of the Olivet Discourse, the first 14 verses or so of Matthew 24. All of those signs correspond perfectly with the signs in uh, Revelation chapter 6 at the beginning of the tribulation. Very important to remember that the entire teaching of Jesus from the Mount of Olives relates to the second coming, not the rapture. Uh, he's speaking to that future tribulation generation that will be alive at his coming. As with almost all prophecies in the Old Testament, and with, in fact, with all of the eschatological prophecies of the Old Testament, Jesus gives them to a current generation alive, or the prophets, I should say, uh, in the Old Testament, gave the, the prophecy to a generation that was alive in their day, to their contemporaries, but the nation or generation within Israel that experienced the fulfillment was a future generation. Very typical, very common of prophecy. So, for example, when Micah the prophet said the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, he was saying that several hundred years before Christ, and the generation to whom he was speaking did not experience it. That's normal prophecy 101. And so, when Jesus is speaking here to the disciples, a lot of people naively say, well, why would he be giving this prophecy about a future generation? Uh, what relevance does that have to the disciples? Well, that's just the way prophecy works. There's the receiving audience of the prophecy, and then there's the audience that experiences the fulfillment, and that's what Jesus is talking about here. So even though this message is about the second coming, and it's for Israel, it's all about the things that will take place during that seven years immediately leading up to the return of Christ to inaugurate the kingdom, the principles of watchfulness uh, are, are relevant to those of us that are looking for the rapture as well. Um, the rapture had not been introduced yet at the time Jesus was giving this message. It was not introduced until the next day in the upper room when Jesus told the disciples that uh, he was going to go away for a while, but don't worry, he's going to come back and that where he is, we may be also a meeting in the air. Uh, so this is Wednesday of Passion Week. Jesus is talking about the second coming and the coming of the kingdom. And in this context, he, after giving some of the signs, he then launches into some analogies uh, of watchfulness. And the first one, which we've talked about before on this uh, podcast, uh, is the sign of Noah and the illustration of Noah. And he talks about how in Noah's day, uh, God had warned of judgment again and again through Noah, and yet they ignored it. They weren't watching, and then all of a sudden the floods came and swept them all away and destroyed them, is the way Luke's, Luke says it in a separate account in Luke 17. And so Jesus uses that. He says, hey, don't be like that. He said, in the future tribulation period, some of the Jews are going to be so caught up in world events and all that's happening in the one world system inaugurated by the Antichrist that they're going to miss it. And so he says, therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So he kind of gives you know, a couple of watchfulness general illustrations, Noah and also uh, the, uh, the householder there, uh, who, again, uh, you know, people weren't ready 
in 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 that context either. He said, um, uh, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Matthew twenty four, forty three. So he says, be ready. And then, uh, so I I kind of use that general you know watchfulness admonition about using Noah and the the householder. Uh, to point out that there's a, a certain class of people today that are deniers. They absolutely ignore Bible prophecy altogether. They're not watchful whatsoever, and they need to remember that warning. They need to kind of be shaken back to reality and recognize that the Lord is coming back. They don't want to focus only on this earth. Paul says, if in this life only we have hope, we are of all men most pitiable. They need to be watchful. And that's the deniers. And I've talked a lot about that group before, people who have no appetite for Bible prophecy. In fact, not only do they not teach it and study it, they mock those who do. And I've been uh, criticized many times from people who say, you know, that I, I'm obsessed with Bible prophecy. Well, no, I'm obsessed with the Bible, and one-third of the Bible is Bible prophecy. So I prefer to study the entire Word of God, not just a portion of it. So that's the deniers. But then going back to Matthew, Jesus moves right into another analogy, uh, and it's the analogy of the two servants. Uh, and, and he basically uses this analogy to point out that for some of those people who are alive at the second coming of Christ in the future, Christ's return will occur sooner than they thought. Uh, and the, the key verse there is Matthew 24, 48, where he, Jesus says, the evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming. And I think this is what I call the delayers, and it applies to those in the present church age as well, and the rapture of the church. People are, uh, you know, they assume they've got plenty of time. They're, they might be watchful, but they're barely watchful. They're not really focused on it. They, they, they would admit, if you ask them about it, yeah, I believe the Lord's coming back, or yes, I believe in the rapture, but they don't live their lives in a watchful way. So they're barely watchful. And they're delayers. They say, oh, I've got plenty of time. You know, they'll say things like, well, people have been saying for generations that he's going to come back in their day. And I, I think it's going to be a while. We've got 100 years or more. Those are the delayers. And that's the wrong approach also, because like the deniers, it fails to recognize the imminency of the rapture, the fact that it could happen at any moment. So we don't want to be a denier for sure, but we don't want to be a delayer either. But then there's a third category, and this is what Jesus refers to, at least in reference to the second coming, when he gives the parable of the ten virgins. And if you remember, in the story of the ten virgins, there was uh, five. There were five foolish virgins uh, who were all geared up. They were excited. They got all their bags packed. They got the oil for their lamps. But then the Lord was delayed in his coming. And so just like there will be some people who, uh, who, for whom the Lord's return occurs sooner than they thought and they weren't ready, there will be some people for whom the Lord's return occurs later than they thought. And this I kind of liken to date, set, date setters today. That's the group of people who are so excited about Bible prophecy that they get out their calculators and their newspapers and they start looking at blood moons and shemitahs and all these other non-prophetic concepts in Scripture. They turn them into prophecies like the Psalm 83 war, which is not prophetic at all. Uh, and they start connecting dots that aren't connected and, and they end up arriving at a date. They think the, the rapture is going to happen at Rosh Hashanah. They think it's going to happen in September. Every year around September, you see a chorus of people saying the rapture is going to happen. And these are the kinds of people that sell all their belongings, move to a mountaintop and wait for the Lord, the date setters. Well, that's a, a false approach as well, because again, we don't know when the Lord's going to come back. Uh, and we don't want to be date setters. We want to let the Bible speak where it speaks and be silent where it is silent. So we need to simply be watchful, not deniers, not delayers, not date setters, but people that are living lives according to the teaching of Scripture as disciples, following Jesus. Uh, Sunday, I, I preached on what does it mean to follow Christ. If you've not watched that message yet from Plum Creek Chapel, I encourage you to check that out. You can listen to the podcast or watch the video. But we have a job to do. Uh, we hope the Lord comes back today. We are eagerly awaiting His return. We're looking for the blessed hope. But uh, until then, we have a job to do. We have a purpose to serve. We are to be a light in this perverse generation. We're to be spreading the gospel. And so I encourage people who are uh, awake to what's happening in the world and recognize that the signs of the times are all around us. They recognize that uh, time is short and things are falling apart. I encourage them to both be prepared 
but yet continue to be faithful, to trust the Lord, uh, you know, to to watch for the signs of the times, and uh, and yet, you know, to recognize uh, that we have a job to do. So there's balance. We don't want to be a denier, a delayer, or a date setter, but we also do need to be watchful. And again, Jesus' words uh, in Mark 13, uh, you don't want him to find you sleeping. He says, what I say to you, I say to all, watch, watch. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. First Thessalonians 5, 6. So that's what we're doing on this program. And I want to bring in Randy now as he gives us our weekly update on uh, current events and geopolitical events and provides some uh, commentary and insights. And uh, and then I'll chime in as we go along as I have comments and uh, and questions. But Randy, welcome back to the program. How's the, How are things going there on your road trip? Well, we are in beautiful mid-Nebraska. It is overcast, it is cold, and it's getting ready to snow. Uh, looks like the perfect time that you would want to go out and uh, walk around a crime scene and do things like that. <laughs> the only good thing is if a bullet hits you, you don't bleed as bad. So there are there are good points and bad points. So if you're gonna, you, what you're saying anyway, is if you're gonna. You're, what you're saying is if you're gonna get shot, you should do it in the winter, right? Yeah, because you can put a little snow in it, slow down that bleeding. Rescue can get there and look at you like you've lost your mind. Yeah, but in all honesty, I would like every listener to pray for us while we're doing this, because Kelton and I are handling a matter that in my 41 years of handling these types of claims investigations this is the most complicated convoluted and dangerous situation i've ever encountered in my life we have corrupt officials in the government in law enforcement city government um the wife and father the brother of the uh, deceased we don't know if they can be trusted so prayers would be very helpful because this is something I believe that the Holy Spirit's going to have to lead us to because this happened three and a half years ago. Evidence is gone. People have changed their story. And we're going to need a divine guidance to find out what really happened. So, well, and Nebraska to do that. Yeah, we will pray for you. In fact, why don't we pray for you right now? Father, I lift up Randy and Kelton. I pray for protection. I pray for wisdom and discernment. I pray that you would direct every one of their steps and they would be able to resolve and solve this uh, this case that has been so puzzling. In Jesus' name, amen. And you know, Randy, I was going to say that, uh, you know, Nebraska is notorious for corruption. Of course, every state is these days. It's all Luciferian controlled. But I talk about in volume two of Spirit of the Antichrist, I think it's chapter 13, the Franklin cover-up. I know you're very familiar with that case. Uh, yes. Omaha, yes. if I remember correctly. But it just shows that corruption reaches to the highest levels. And sometimes you really can't count on the uh, law enforcement to to be fair and impartial and help with things because they're on the take. Well, it's really interesting. As you cross the border into Nebraska, the sign says Nebraska, the good life. And I got to tell you what, the more I know about Nebraska, I'm kind of glad I live in Colorado. So, <laughs> you know, just if you plan on moving to Nebraska, think about it twice. So <laughs> anyway, continuing on. First, we're going to go through some of the local national things and then we'll get into the international. But if you all noticed this morning, the planes were all grounded. Now, the government's saying that's a glitch, could have been a glitch, but I tend to think more like maybe somebody starting to hack in to some of the websites, and we're getting a taste of what Russia and China are saying when they say, you know, we're going to play this game, but we're going to play it on our terms. It would be just like them to start with a cyber, as we talked about before, then they go to the other asymmetric warfare, and it's, I think we're looking at the very start. So be very careful when you're using your computers, when you make flights and everything else. Always make sure you have a backup plan, because I think far worse things are coming. Yeah, and the let me just grid, let, let me just mention, in case our listeners uh, haven't seen the news this morning, uh, I know you you always got your finger on the pulse, but uh, uh, there was a massive nationwide 
FAA outage uh, that halted uh, U.S. flights nationwide. And so um, that is uh, that's pretty significant. And again, I like the way you you provided commentary on that, that it's uh, they can talk about it being just a technical glitch or a system failure, but it's never about what it's about. And these are the kinds of things you need to watch for. They're, they're signs of the times. Exactly. It just we'll, we'll concentrate on our federal government for just a few minutes. Uh, President Biden went down to the border the other day, and I thought it was especially nice that they cleaned it all up for him before he got there. <laughs> all the camps, all the indigents, they're moved out, so he never sees it. He gets to see a sanitized version, so he goes back to Washington thinking there's really no problem. I mean, that's the kind of things our government do. It's never about the truth. It's never about let's handle the problem. There is always something else going on. You know, that's like yesterday, they come out and say they want to do away with gas stoves. Now, 40 million people use a gas stove instead of electric. So, you know, it, it pollutes the interior of your house. They think it's going to make some big change in life. And I'm thinking, what is their ulterior motive for wanting to remove gas stoves? I mean, is that a further way that they can control us? Because once you have electric, they shut down the grid. You're just out of luck. Or is it just some misguided concept and idea that somebody decided slow news day, let's go with that. But it's, it's things like that that the government is constantly putting into effect that makes that circle around our neck just a little bit yeah. tighter. And and not only is it about the ability to shut down the grid, but remember, they're they're trying to create these smart cities and the smart technology that I talked about in a recent uh, presentation on CBDCs, uh, central bank digital currencies. And and if you have a, an electric range and an electric oven, then they can require at some point in the future, if the Lord doesn't come back before then, they can require people to have these smart systems where not only can they shut off the whole electric grid, but they can actually zero in and shut off your stove. We saw that happen in Colorado last winter when a group of customers uh, had their thermostats shut off in the middle of the winter because they had reached a threshold and they said, uh, sorry, uh, we need we need the energy. We're cutting you off. So, yeah, that's uh, I think it's another example of what's coming. Well, they're very they're very insidious. They're very sly. They move in a little bit at a time. They move in from a direction you wouldn't really anticipate. Then all of a sudden, you find out what their goal was. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's already happened in Colorado, so we see what's coming. And it's just like, you know, how much closer can they get before they have it all, really? Um, I did note yesterday that Mr. Biden, evidently in his old job as vice president, left some uh, classified documents in his office and forgot to uh, properly dispose of him. So I'm waiting anxiously to see if they treat him like they do Mr. Trump. Yeah. I want to see if justice is for all or if justice is just selective. <laughs> and I think it's going to be very interesting seeing what's going to happen there. And yeah. it takes away their steam. On the COVID front, there is more evidence being developed all the time that it is in fact a bioweapon it was specifically designed to be let loose this time because, as we've said before, the Chinese are getting ready to move on Taiwan. COVID is going to weaken us. It's going to preoccupy us. And it's going to be here. Well, it's here now. But with the Chinese New Year and everybody flying out, it's going to it's going to be a massive casualty incident within the next two weeks. So everybody needs to prepare Get everything ready that you can understand that none of the medications that used to work on COVID, like monoclonal antibodies, have loxaloid or whatever that stuff was, none of that stuff works. So we're in a whole new ball game. We don't know if it's mixed with another virus. But like I said last week, the fatality rate is somewhere between 40 and 60 percent instead of 1 percent. So we are dealing with something we haven't seen. Yeah. And don't forget, it's like with COVID, it's not so much even about the bioweapon itself, which no question that was a, a bioweapon uh, created in a lab. We know that everybody knows that now it's on record. Um, but, uh, you know, even with this new one, it's it's multifaceted. They, they use the same uh, agenda and the same events to accomplish multiple things. And so I think what they'll do is they'll come out with another quote unquote vaccine or jab. 
and uh, require people to take it. And because this, uh, you know, virus, whatever it is, is going to be so much worse, so they say. Uh, and remember, in the in the early days of COVID, uh, like the first two weeks of it before it ever reached America, uh, the first week, the average age of the people dying from COVID, I think this was in Italy, was where this was, you know, when it at, when it left China and hit Italy first, was 81. And the second week, the average age was 79. And all of these people had comorbidities, every one of them. Uh, and the, But yet they claimed it was COVID that killed them. And then even throughout most of the pandemic, until they started giving the death shots, uh, the people who were dying were people with comorbidities. And they say, oh, no, no, it's not comorbidities. It's, you know, it was it's COVID. No matter how they died, it was a motorcycle accident. It was COVID that killed them. And now what I find interesting, Randy, is that in response to the uh, 1.5 million people on record through the CDC and the F, uh, FDA VAERS system, uh, 1.5 million people have reported adverse effects from the COVID vaccines, the various different ones. And that number is universally accepted based on a Harvard study of being only 10% of the actual adverse effects. Uh, and by the way, according to VAERS, we're also dealing with 30, over 33,000 deaths from the COVID shot. And you've got young, healthy, vibrant athletes dropping dead on the field. We had a, a, a flag football player, age 16, drop dead this week. We had a, another 18-year-old uh uh, fighter uh, drop dead. I mean, you just don't see this normally. Uh, and yet it's happening, you know, by the thousands across the country. And what is what is the government saying about it? Well, now they're saying, uh, no, 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 it's comorbidities. It's not the vaccine that's killing them. It's these other things, you know, it just so happens that it was, you know, that they happen to be vaccinated. So they will lie through their teeth and absolutely say one thing one minute. No, no, it's not comorbidities. It's COVID. And then when it comes to the vaccine, no, no, it's not the vaccine. It's comorbidities. So it's just, uh, you know, Satan is a liar. He's a deceiver. And uh, I believe you're right. There is something bigger coming because, uh, you know, it's hard to fool people more than once, but fear uh, is a very, very powerful motivator. And when they get ready to move to the next phase of the coming lockdown, uh, they will they will roll this out. And it's something to keep our eye on. Well, honesty and truth is a thing of the past. Now it's basically we're going to make up the narrative and we're going to sell it any way we can. And with the federal government, it's it's becoming their modus operandi. They don't worry about telling the truth. They just develop what they want to say, how they want to say it. And then they try to get the news media to all go along with that. And pretty much they're all walking lockstep with each other. And it's it insults our intelligence that they think we're that stupid. Now, granted, there are some that probably are, but it, it's just ridiculous. You know, when you look at you look at the states, the states have their own problems. The state of Texas yesterday come out with their year-end results. They have a $33 billion surplus. Now, I find that to be amazing. California came out with theirs. They have a $24 billion shortfall. Hmm. Now, California's bigger. Then Texas. Texas probably has more, um, I guess we're not supposed to call them illegals anymore, undocumented citizens than the others. And I'm going, how can it be 60 billion difference between two states? Then you walk into the grocery store, your eggs are now five or six dollars a dozen. A lead of lettuce the other day was six dollars. <laughs> I mean, you can't even afford to make a salad anymore. So the older people, the people on the lower incomes, how are they going to survive? Is government coming back with another, another handout to further ensnare everybody? Or what is their plan? There are going to be millions of people by the middle of winter that are going to be homeless. They're not going to have food. They're not going to have vehicles. What's the plan to help them? I don't think we've got anything that we've ever thought about as far as taking care of a group that large that's going to be destitute. Yeah, I mean, but we better start thinking about it. Their plan, it's the same game plan, just repositioned in different sectors. And so globally, 
they want to bring people to their knees so that they cry out, save us from the boogeyman. And then this one world government, which is run by Luciferians, has to come swooping in to save them. Nationally, they want to bring America to our knees so that we're not able to defend our, for ourselves when they decapitate our military. We're not able to provide for ourselves when we have an economic crash. And so nationally, we have to cry out, you know, one world system, save us from this problem. Locally, same thing. They They have to it's the Hegelian dialectic repeated again and again and again. It's like a loop, a looping Hegelian dialectic. They just move it around from scenario to scenario where they problem, reaction, solution. They create a problem so that we will cry out for a solution, which is what they wanted us to do all along to begin with. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, this, you know, the, the food shortage and the economic, I noticed the gas prices going back up again. You know, they were so high there in some places approaching $10. Yes. And then they went way back down again. And now they're going back up again. Uh, I actually did a double right. take last night. I was in Denver for a meeting and I came back uh, home and I uh, stopped to get gas. And I, I guess I, it would surprise me that it was uh, as high as it was again. Uh, I thought, when did that happen? And so, yeah, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, uh, just being being aware that we're not not playing into their hands when they use this method. Well, you know, as far as the fuel goes, I noticed that we went through Kansas. Kansas was 75 cents a gallon cheaper than Colorado was. Now, I'm sure there's some of that that's taxes and stuff. But what's the difference when you cross the line, you pay that much more? I mean, how do they have some of this set up? Just Nebraska or Colorado has a higher standard of living, so they charge them more because we all know in Colorado living there, we were paying five dollars a gallon not that long ago for gas, at least in Canyon City, a little cheaper in springs and stuff. So it's all going to go up. It's going to just further deplete everything that we have for resources. But then you look at the BRICS nations, you know, Brazil, Russia, you have uh, India, China, South America, Saudi Arabia, and there are other um, countries that are joining them, they are buying every bit of the oil and every bit of the grains and all of the gold that they can. China bought 300 tons of gold again last month. Now you see what they're going to do is like we've talked before. They're going to get to the place where nobody wants to pay Russia what they want for the fuel. And they're going to say, fine, we'll go ahead and take this price that you're willing to pay, but we want it in gold. So you know the end of the petrodollar, our dollar, is coming to an end shortly because Putin said by March 1st, they're either going to be buying it on his, what do I want to say, on his terms, or they're not going to buy it at all. And everybody now is saying, yeah, he's going to turn it on them. He's going to demand gold instead of a fiat currency. And the United States of America, Great Britain, where are we going to be? Our paper money is worth nothing. We don't have the gold reserves to back it up. So that's going to further exacerbate exactly where we're all at. Food's expensive. Gas is going to be more expensive. Will we be able to afford anything? And I look for the recession slash depression, however bad it gets, is going to be happening much sooner than everybody believes. And I don't see how we're going to get away from that, to be honest. Do you? No, I don't. And I'd be curious what Kelton uh, thinks about this idea of preparedness. Remember, Proverbs 22, verse 3, I've talked about it often, uh, says, uh, a prudent person sees trouble coming, sees danger coming, and prepares for it. So uh, that's what we want to be. We want to be not foolish, but wise. But uh, uh, Kelton, you know, I know we've had a lot of conversations, uh, both one-on-one -on -one and all three of us at lunches together talking, um, you know, as, you know, what, what are you doing, if anything, or, or how much do you contemplate the concept of preparedness when you look at what's happening all around us? I put that off for a long time, JB, uh, but that verse you quoted really stuck with me. And I eventually listened to you guys and others finally started, um, taking more positive preparations, actions for that. Um, it's hedging your bets. It's the same reason, and people who poo-poo the idea need to think about why do you have car insurance? Why do you have life insurance, home insurance? It's just in case. 
Yeah. And um, you know, some of these things, you're not just throwing your money away. You could use it later. But if it if, if situations went got really bad and you had electrical systems gone down or you had supply chain problems, you could be the one that could be really be uh, keeping your family in a better situation because you thought about it, you planned on it, you you sought wisdom, and you looked for ways to prepare for when times are not so good. So yeah. I see value in it. Um, I've done I've done some of the things that are most common where people uh, accumulate some uh, dried foods. Um, water sources, filters, just things that, you, that, that would help you if, if something goes down. Um, some communication abilities. A lot of people don't think about that. So there, there's you know, several ways to consider this. And when one starts looking into it, there's different ways you can do it. But I, I finally have given in to some of that thinking, you know what? It's, it's wise because I want to be wise as a lifestyle of pursuing wisdom. Yeah. And wising, wise is prepared, preparing for challenging times. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great uh, attitude. You know, a lot of people try to create this false dichotomy between faith or trusting God and preparedness, but the Bible teaches both. Of course, everything we do, we trust God. That's our prevailing uh, worldview and mindset. God is the one we should look to first, but that doesn't mean we don't do the practical things that we should do. Go back to Joseph's day. Remember, they were preparing and storing up for famine, and so, you know, you talk about storing foods. A real simple thing that anybody can do is just buy you know, canned goods, dry goods, things with a long shelf life, organize them in your pantry or basement or wherever you you store them so that uh, as the expiration dates start to approach, you start using them and then you replace them. So it's not like you, it's going to waste, you know, with traditional insurance. Of course, if you don't use it, you don't, you know, you, you lose it. It's just one of those things, but that's the cost of doing it. You know, you, you pay for life insurance, you pay for house insurance and car insurance, like you said, but at least with preparedness items, you could use them, you know, store them up, use them and then replace them, push them, you know, buy the new ones, put them at the back of the shelf, put the ones that are have expiration dates upcoming toward the front of the shelf and cook with them and use them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we're not like a lot of the, uh, you know, fear mongers out there that are trying to sell preparedness products. I just honestly believe in sounding the alarm and, and encouraging people uh, to be ready and to pay attention because when it happens, it's as it's going to happen suddenly. You know, it's not going to be something that you have time to run to Walmart at that point and 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 get your supplies. So I want to remind uh, listeners, uh, and we get requests for these almost every day. But we do have a a simple document we put together, twelve pages that kind of outlines uh, some of the preparedness items and and plans and things that you can do, different scenarios. Uh, and if you'd like that, just shoot me an email at uh, info at notbyworks.org, and we will send that out to you. Well, and people need to remember, we're not just preparing for a Holocaust, a, a nuclear war. We're preparing for storms, the grid going out. I mean, we have volcanoes, we have earthquakes, we have tornadoes, we have hurricanes. There are so many other things that could occur and put us in the same position. So this is not just saying the world's going to end. It's just using common sense to prepare for the unknown. And I know that my ancestors did that. Mm -hmm. I mean, they used to salt meat. They would put lard underneath the soil to keep it cold. And I think we've lost all of those talents, but maybe that's something we need to revisit. Yeah. Because let's face it, the refrigerator and freezer goes out, you've got three days and then you've got a mess. With all of the dried foods and stuff, that's okay, but I haven't eaten any. But I got a feeling after a couple of days, I don't want any more of that. So maybe some of the old, old time uh, methods would be a good thing to visit. Maybe we'll do that in one of the future podcasts. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I, I agree. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in on the Gulf Coast, uh, high school and college, and I can remember multiple hurricanes and tropical storms coming through. And, you know, the, the grocery shelves were empty, the lines were out the door. And if you if your plan is to run to Home Depot, you know, to buy plywood or something, you know, that's not a that's not a plan, you need to have stuff readily accessible on site, both supplies and food items, uh, and be ready. So, exactly. uh, so yeah, what, what else have you got as we get ready to wrap up here in the next few minutes? Any other key news items we need to be aware of? 
Russia and China are doing their preparation, getting things moved around. China's getting more threatening to Taiwan all the time. But it's kind of like there's a little lull here where nothing really major is going on. But everybody agrees that it's just a matter of time. They're preparing. They're getting ready. And when they let loose, it's going to be something we've never seen before. Now, the one thing I want to say, we talked two weeks ago about the Jewish Messiah. All right. I found out what his name is. I don't think I can pronounce it, but I'm going to try. It is Yanuka Rav Shloma Yabuda. Now, the rabbis are actually talking to this gentleman and testing him. He arrived in September of 2020, and he's being grilled and talked to them by then. He's actually supposedly performed miracles, and the rabbis are going, we think we might have the right guy. Now, as a Christian, we're all going, excuse me, you know, you, you guys missed a turn there. But <laughs> it shows the Jewish are looking at these people. They have their red heifers. They're really starting to ramp up wanting to build the new temple. Now, they're going to have to get through the Muslims on Temple Mount to do that. But when Ben Gavir, which, uh, what is he there, a military man, I believe, he actually went up there a few days ago and created a big row because... Jordan controls the Temple Mount, and Hamas is basically the ones that are patrolling it. So when he went up there, all of a sudden, it's an international incident. Now, Jews are permitted up there, but they have to go up at a certain time during the day, certain days of the week, and otherwise they can't go. But Mr. Gavir decided he'd just go ahead and do what he wanted to do. So things are a little bit tenser there than usual, but, you know, that's not surprising. Yeah, and let um, me let me comment on that. Messiah. I talked about that a few sure. couple months ago on the Brandon House show, that very issue. And to me, what yeah. comes to mind when the Jews are pointing out that this new rabbi is the Messiah uh, it, it, are, are the warnings that Christ gave again and again, you know, to beware, lest anyone deceive you. Watch out for false Christ. Many will come in my name claiming to be the Messiah. So I think this, again, is a lead up to it doesn't mean we're in the tribulation, but it's a lead up to the tribulation. And, uh, and you know, it's just more signs of the times when people start uh, talking about, yeah, the Messiah has come. No, uh, Jesus himself answered that question when he said, look, if you have to ask the question, is this the Messiah? It's not. Because when I come back, you will know it. It'll be crystal clear. Lightning will flash from the east of the west. Everyone will see the sign of the Son of Man coming, Matthew 24, and there won't be any question. So the very fact that we're speculating, we're not, we're not, we know it's not, but the fact that many Jewish people are contemplating, could this guy be the Messiah, tells us it's not. Exactly. It's very interesting that he's been around for two years, and we're just starting to hear about it. But when the rabbis are going, you know, he's very convincing. We're thinking maybe he has potential. Then you got to wonder just how far the, our Lord is from coming home, taking us home. Because, you know, everything is falling together in, in a way I didn't think I'd ever see it. Piece by piece, it's all coming together. You look at the Middle East, you look at Russia, you look at China, you look at North Korea, you look at the United States. Um, something's got to happen. And it's going to be on a magnitude this world has never, never seen before. So what I want to do is have, do a little more research on him for next week, a little more research on the artificial intelligence and UFOs. And then I think what we'll do is start talking about how to prep and get ready for DEFCON 1. Yeah. For those that don't know what DEFCON means, that's defensive condition. Um, when we're at peace, it's number five. When we're at war, it's number one. Uh, I can guarantee you they maybe have five listed for the public, but we're a lot closer to one than we are to five. So I think we have a little lull here where people can start to think about what they need, have time to get it, but we've got to have it done before mid-February. Yeah, and so now is a good time to get it going. Aren't there some theaters uh, out there where we're at three or even two in some some places around the country? Some of, some of the divisions are at two. Yes, many of them. There are four at two, three at three, and one at five. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean. And, and the U.S. is still up, but yes, 
Yeah. And one thing that I don't remember if I said this last week when we talked, or maybe it was on a different uh, interview that I did, but one thing that really struck me recently is the fact that, you know, we know World War III is coming. The Luciferians that that I expose in my two-volume set, Spirit of the Antichrist, uh, have been talking about it forever. They they want to bring order out of chaos. They've got to build back better. That's the great satanic reset that they've all been talking about. So they're they're doing everything they can to foment war and to push us into war. And but what what's really I think should should cause us to step back and take take a real hard look at this is when it happens. Uh, we're going to see for the first time, really, since the Civil War, uh, bloodshed and warfare on our own soil. This isn't going to be about sending troops out there to fight in you know, Europe or Vietnam. It's going to be here, because that's the entire focus of the Luciferians with World War III, is to destroy America. And they don't want to destroy our infrastructure. They don't want to destroy, you know, they want to kill Americans, no question, but they want to basically target our military, uh, you know, installations so that they can decapitate us. And then we will have no choice but to sign on with the new world order and the one world system to uh, de- be, de- you know, to defend ourselves. And this is something that people like Kissinger and Rockefeller and Zbigniew Brzezinski and others that I quote in my books have been talking about for decades you know, Rockefeller famously said, you know, uh, today people would be outraged if U.N. troops entered Los Angeles, but someday they'll be grateful. They'll be thankful. They'll say, save us, you know. So, uh, you know, I think it's uh, it's just a sober reality, and it brings us back full circle to where we started today, and that is be watchful. You know, don't be a denier. Don't ignore the signs of the times. Don't be a delayer. Don't acknowledge it, but kind of put it on the shelf like it doesn't matter. And don't be a date setter. Don't go so bananas with it that you sell all your belongings and move to a mountaintop and and just, you know, crane your neck looking up every day. But be a sensible, biblical, watchful believer who knows uh, about our blessed hope and knows the Lord uh, is coming back. So any closing thoughts, Randy? Well, my only closing thoughts were what I would like is for people to pray for us while we're handling this. I want them to get ready and do a little background. So when we start talking about prepping the artificial intelligence, UFOs and stuff, I want them to be able to understand what we're talking about. So they got a week to do a little reading and coming up with uh, questions, maybe answers, whatever. And then we'll get this started. And then hopefully we'll have them in a position when it all goes down that they'll be in as good a position as they could have possibly been. And that way we won't have to worry about every, everybody because we did what we could. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Randy. Thank you, Kelton, too, for just uh, being part of the program today. We appreciate you. And, uh, uh, you know, I wish I was with you guys. I love a little adventure. love a little uh, research. I love – I'm not, certainly I'm not a private eye and not an expert, uh, you know, investigator by any means, but I, I did a uh, good 15 years' worth of boots-on-the-ground research uh, for my Spirit of the Antichrist books and I love just going to some of the key sites and just starting conversations with people. Uh, that's how I learned so much about uh, the background of, of things like 9-11 and some of those other uh, stories. So uh, Godspeed to you guys. We will be praying for you. We look forward to talking again uh, next week. And uh, for our listeners, don't forget tonight, you can live stream at six o'clock mountain time. Just go to notbyworks.org and click the live stream button. Or you can go to uh, Facebook, our Facebook page, not NBW Ministries, uh, and uh, we will be live streaming there. You should see a countdown already getting ready for that. And other than that, uh, appreciate your prayers for Not By Works Ministries. Check out our latest two books, Spirit of the Antichrist, by going to spiritoftheantichrist.org, spiritoftheantichrist.org. And until then, we wish you the best. Uh, I want to encourage you to stay in the Word, and by all means, As we think about what's uh, coming down the pike, if you don't know the Lord, today is the day of salvation, as the Bible uh, says. So place your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died and rose again for your sins. He's the only one who can forgive your sin and give you eternal life. So thanks and God bless.